All right, welcome back to another 10-Minute Tuesday. Um, last week, we talked about uh, kind of getting in, getting a dog right out of the gate. Uh, we kind of brought it through that. I'll link it below, put it in the corner, all that jazz. Um, but so now we got to force fetching last week. Yep. Next up on the list. Um, after that would be continuing to work on some marks. You should have been doing puppy marks in the first stages and simple marks like that. Just giving <laughs> a brief summarization of what marks are. Marks are shown thrown birds. So like when you're... A bumper. You, yeah, like thrown. a bumper being thrown and they can see the person throwing it and everything else. Or if you train certain venues, it's a hidden thrower, but they can see the mark being thrown. Okay. Versus a blind is a blind retrieve. The dog has no idea and that. But you should be working your marks and your drills. So like the first drill... After force fetch would be three-handed casting and then to T. I, I don't know oh, what those are. So three-handed casting. Yep, we're going to get into it. Buzz and give a list. Um, <laughs> um, three-handed casting is you sit the dog. You got three piles. You can start with whatever pile you want. It's like I start very simple, one pile on the back. And I throw a bumper over the dog's right shoulder. The dog generally at this point is looking, and I go back, and it immediately turns and goes back to it. Okay. Boom. It's going to it. At this time, you should be working forced to pile, which then relays also off of forced pile should te te technically be before three-handed casting, but your forced pile should be with the collar. So you've done walking fetch, which is after force fetch. So you've walked around. You walk past a bumper. Fetch. Nick yep. picks it up. Boom. Then you walk past a bumper. Don't pick it up because you want the dog to also be able to not pick up a bird if you don't want him to. Walk past that one. Pick up the next one. So now you've laid the groundwork for The pressure turns on. When, or pressure turns off when you grab a bumper. So then you start with the pile two feet away for forced pile. Boom. Back, Nick, back. Goes, gets it, comes back, starts. You slowly extend that pile out to, I like to stop at about 75 yards and just rep them out. I want like 20 straight. Boom, 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 boom. There, 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 and done. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. very crisp, very clean. There and back. Heel, nice, good, good dog. Dead bird is my cue. Back, put my hand in, dog goes. There's a nick. Go to the pile. As you extend that, you lessen the nicks and you just do some free ones where they get to go back and run or however you feel the dog needs to be corrected at that point. Okay. Then you're doing your three-handed your three, three casting, which is going to piles. So then back, when you throw the bumper, you get them going back, left, back, right. You get them going right, left, however you want to do it. Some people add in angles on this. I haven't yet. I would like to in the next dog to add the angle backs to see if I can kind of incorporate sure. that prior. And we to saw that in Kansas and it, it's really awesome. Well, yeah, I've never introduced an angle back at an early stage. I introduce angle backs at mm -hmm. the five finger drill, which oh, okay. is five separate piles. So okay. chance does angles and everything like that. So does ginger, but I've done it on the five finger or some people call it around the world. So you have one point, then you have pins. So you start with one pin. Do this. Yeah. Show, show the camera. So you do one pin, then you add pins as you need, and you can then build off that to then what's called a pattern blind setup and things like that. That's later down the so road. So when, when dog trainers are going like this, they're you going don't go like arms straight up you with the palm. Out, touch your elbow to your ear. Okay. Up. And so then you back, and then you go across. So then back, over. Okay. Over, back means straight back. Back means at an angle. Wow, and like to me, That's my dogs, lot. my dogs cue off of if I step. So if I need a big back, if I need a big right angle, I'm taking an angle and I'm stepping that way back. If he's out two, three hundred yards, whatever that ends up being, I'm giving a big angle and a big step. Now he's digging hard and he's turning, but he's not turning quite as tight. I don't need that much back, 
and I'm just giving a solid back, but I'm just giving the arm up. I'm not taking a step. I'm not influencing my body into the dog at that point. That's good. So I, I never understood we, why people did that. We jumped ahead of one thing, though, and that is the whistle aspect of it because you can't. Yep. So your whistle, I left that out in the first part. Your right. whistle training should be started at OB. Okay. I start whistle training from day, like, probably 12 to 15 And And what are the basics of that? One toot, sit, toot, toot, here. Okay. So, like, I'll put a collar on them, like, a, a check cord. Like I, All my puppies walk around with a 30-foot check cord for a long time. <laughs> okay. That's just how it is for me because I find it easier that way for them. But then I'll pull them, like, here, toot, toot, here, toot, toot, here, toot, toot, and I'll just toot the whistle. Okay, we get used to coming to Dad when we go when we hear the whistle. Boom, treat. Oh, okay. Then they start to associate the whistle with coming in here and everything else. Then you can start applying pressure to it. Here, toot, toot, nick, coming in. Things like that. Um, sit. I just walk around at heel is how I've always introduced it. I don't know how other guys do it, but this is how I've always been taught to do it. We walk around at heel, collars on, because they know the pinch collar, because that's how you solidify your OB. Mm-hmm. Pop on the pinch collar, sit, toot. Boom. Okay. When the whistle goes, I'm supposed to sit. Okay. Go along a little bit longer, do that a couple times, and then I'm tooting, I'm blowing the whistle, and then I'm saying sit. Boom. Okay. Oh. Okay. And then I'm not saying sit at all. I'm just toot. Pop mm-hmm. in the collar, and then they sit. Oh, okay, now we're starting to realize what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Now they're sitting remote when you're doing your three-handed casting and everything else. You're slowly building on the, off that with multiple drills. You're into your blind drills, uh, five-finger around the world, a number of things, pattern blinds, um, and then you slowly start to do some water drills. So then you have, some people call it water tea, some people call it swim by, um, a number of things in that, and then you go to channel blinds, down the shore blinds. Okay. So, so in training and doing the basics of and the basic training, how long do you train for? Depends on the dog. Okay. And so, a- anything in training is one hundred percent depending on the dog. If the dog is struggling, you take steps back and you work through it. Yep. So, like my dog, for example, Chance. Chance blew through single T. I mean, I was doing single T. Single T. Single T is a remote three-headed casting, so you have two piles and a back pile, and you walk back 100 yards and you send them. I was doing that to 200 yards within a week, four days. He was killing that, and he was stopping dead on the whistle, taking all the casts, taking everything, all the corrections, everything in stride. Double T took me a little bit longer, but then like uh, my five-finger drill with him still I work on to this day because he can struggle with certain angles and he starts digging and sometimes when he gets a back he wants to dig hard back and he wants to just just go and he doesn't always just take the slight angle i need to dig straight back or he'll take not enough angle and i need to influence him more so i still work those drills so all those drills continue to be worked to this day and he's three i mean tune-up drills are always something you, you need to tap into in your training right. so there's yeah. always those options um but I wouldn't say there's a time frame on those. I would just say depending on where your dog's at and who you're working with. If you're working with a pro or if you're working off a video um, or off just your own knowledge, any number of things. Like I had you and Ellie doing things for a couple extra weeks just to make sure we were good. There's nothing wrong with doing extra time to make sure you're solid in those basics because it's like building a home. If your foundation's solid, all right, you're solid there. But if you start skimping on the, the, the studs on your framing, your roof's going to fall. You're yeah. not going to have the solidness in the field later. Because in training, you're in a very controlled environment. It's a controlled situation. It's very um, low stimulation. Like, you're just there. It's you and the dog and the drill. There's not a lot going on. Now add in 1,000 snow goose decoys, 12 guys, 40 right. shots, and That's 12 birds falling. Now you've just scrambled the dog's brains. And now you have to now 
apply that handling drill to that, you need to make sure you're solid on the first front. And like me, not not everyone does this, but I like to move drills. So like I like to do a drill at home, at a soccer field, at I was a just hay field, say, to keep them from getting comfortable field. with a certain yep. spot. Mm-hmm. I just bounce around. You you should always start and introduce the drills in the same areas. So like I introduce three handed casting, T, and forced pile all in the exact same spot in my yard hmm. at all times, and I have for all three dogs. Very same spot, or all four dogs, I apologize. Um, all have been in the exact same spot. But then the moment they're reasonably good, switch locations. All right, now we're going to the soccer field. Now we're going to go to the soccer field, but we're going to run from the opposite end. Now we're going to the baseball field. Now we're going to go to the hay field by Chad's. Now we're going to go here. Now we're going to go there. Now we're going to go to training grounds, and there's going to be other people training, and now I'm going to make you do it with a distraction. Mm-hmm. Any number of things. I mean, there's plenty of pros that add a ton of distractions to things. Right. Like, I didn't do tea very long. I, um, Danny Farmer is a very well-known field trial pro. Um, some people out there wa- watching or listening may know him. Um, Danny trains in Minnesota. Danny spends like a month and a half to two months on T. He adds diversion marks, dry pops, um, hidden gunners, um, under the arc work, any number of things. He adds some very in-depth and in-detailed things to that that I never thought to do mm-hmm. until I was already through it. And I was like, wow. I never thought to add all those hard concepts into a very controlled drill. Mm-hmm. And now on my next dog, I would like to try a handful of those. And I would like to train with Danny to try to teach me that kind of thing, which I'm working on that. But, well, that's, but yeah, cool. that, that's kind of the expansion. You just slowly build piece by piece, brick by brick. But you need to make sure you're either working with a trainer hands-on, one-on-ones with a friend who's done it before, or using your re- resources, whether that's a podcast or a video system, or if you're buying books and videos, however you want to learn, mm-hmm. there's any number of ways to do it, and it doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. Half hour, 40 minutes a day, I mean, a puppy, I do 10 sessions of five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a long, do three, four things, boom, done. Oh, it's a game, fun, yay, we're done. Yeah. They just move forward. And I think, you know, in my opinion, it is, like, your duty to the dog. 100%. I, like, I knew I did not want to get a dog, and I had conversations with you about this, that if I could not effectively train uh-huh. it, because it's like, I see these dogs that are jumping up on everybody and peeing oh on the floor and oh God. doing all this stuff, and it's just like, man, Don't like, get me on that tangent. That you just, sets me afire. You just get, you know, <laughs> you're doing the dog a disservice. Well, I was nope. just, just going to say... Literally, one of the things that saddens my heart so bad is these dogs that have a legitimate purpose, labs, um, Jack Russell Terriers, like all these dogs that were bred for a purpose, not being used to their full potential. Yeah. I feel like that's a disservice to that dog. Yeah. Everyone laughs at me when I say this, but I have, they are pets, they are family, 100%. I would do anything for my dogs, but they're a working dog as well. Yeah. They have to have a job. I would never own a dog that just lays around the house and does nothing. Nope. That's abuse, in my opinion, to the animal and to the purpose of why you bought it. When people tell me that it's cruel that I make them do this, I just invite them to watch Chance run one mark. There's no force in what I do to him. He does it on his own. Come hunting with him. He's Come hunting with him. Joey knows. He runs full bore, full throttle, from the moment he comes out of the kennel to the moment he's done. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care what the conditions, what the circumstances. That's what he loves. He doesn't like me, barely. He likes that I supply the fun, the game. <laughs> he could give a shit about me. That's just his thing. Comment below. Let us know what you guys uh, think and what, what your training tips are if you want to or you know any stories about your dog. And Hit us with a like, and uh, thanks for subscribing to the YouTube channel, the podcast. Thanks for being hey, on with us, Gavin. Of course, boys. Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks, bud. We'll see you soon. Of course. All right.